Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Many of us have sidelined interests to our daily work, but not many of us eventually abandon our daily work to pursue them. Well, I'm joined this week by Nick Kershaw, who was working in finance and combining an interest in running marathons with raising money for charitable causes. He eventually made the leap to running and raising money full time. So he joins us today from a location in the City of London. So good to welcome you, Nick. Uh, welcome to the Leadership Farm. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. Now, when we last spoke, uh, you were in Guatemala. <laughs> you very kindly yeah. tried to make this happen as you were wrecking uh, uh, a marathon site and um, and sadly we couldn't get a, a good recording so I'm glad to say for listeners that the recording's now loud and clear. <laughs> yeah from the side of a road in Guatemala isn't always the best place to, to tune into a radio show. <laughs> so so we, we'll go through the story first Nick of um, you know you were in a job in finance uh, <laughs> I mean, was that a job straight from school? Um, yeah, pretty much. I started after university. I graduated politics from uh, Newcastle and came into finance for, for five years, um, working originally in, in uh, like personal finance and then moving into impact investing later on. Um, so I spent five years working there um, at Treestone Asset Management, actually run by uh, Paul Skeeler, who was instrumental in, in helping me understand the role of a Christian in, in business. So it was a really great five years and I loved my job. In, in the city. I never never felt like I wanted to leave. It was yeah. really about the opportunity that came up. Sure, sure. So, so what created a desire to raise money through running? Um, well, I was doing um, Ironman Wales uh, back in 2014 and um, a lot of people were saying, are you doing it for fundraising purposes? And I kind of said no because I didn't have anything I was passionate about. I didn't have anything that fired me up. Um, but at the time, I was doing some side projects in Uganda, and we had a project that we were working on. I thought, well, you could easily raise £3,000, and we could do have a really great impact. Um, and that just got me thinking about the amount of people that fundraise for running, but don't have an emotional connection to the outcome, and therefore don't really feel passionate about it. So it's like, how do you make that link between the fundraising and the outcome. And that's how the, the Impact Marathon series was really born, was get people out to projects, get people seeing, visiting, understanding, and then they'll actually raise probably a lot more more money than they would previously. Right, right. So do, do, you, do you recall a moment when you just thought, you know, I've got to do this full time? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it was it was when we tested out the project in Uganda. So we set up the Uganda Marathon, and that was completely a side project. It was a joke that went a bit too far. And the next thing you know, we've got 800 people at the start line of the first ever Uganda International Marathon. And just seeing how people grew through that week, seeing the response, seeing people relax and, and understand stuff and talk in a way that they would just never talk like if they were back in the city or back in a boardroom, but around a campfire in the evenings that's when you realize like this was this was something really special this was amazing and when people give you that hug at the end and say that was the best week of my life you kind of go okay cool this that's that's what motivates me is, is that excitement of, of seeing people the light bulb go on sure so you you say it was it came as a bit of a joke so someone was you know chatting and you said oh we must we must do this in Uganda or something like that is that how it happened 
it was when I was doing a speech. I was doing a speech to launch uh, the fundraising for, for the Ironman. There's about 200 people in the room. And I just said, like, I, you know, normally when you do a fundraising for a marathon, like last week in London, you've got people that take their credit card out, they sponsor you, they put their credit card away, and that's the end of the story. And we want that to be the beginning of the story. And I just said, so I want you guys to all come out to Uganda. I want you to see the impact this is having. And when you get there, we'll run a marathon. And it was just a joke. It really was. And everyone laughed. Um, and then at the end, um, and in, at that point, I'd never thought about this before. And at the end, lots of people came up and said, this marathon idea, we'd be way up for that. I was like, oh, okay. And then six weeks later, we were at the Ugandan embassy launching it. Wow. Wow. And how many, uh, so how many Brits were on the, in Uganda? We had, we had 67 people fly out for that race in year one, which was amazing. We launched it in January. The race was in May. Um, so we had, yeah, 67 people fly out that year. And then last year, there was about 120, and it'll be the same again this year with Uganda. Gracious me. And obviously, lo there were local Ugandans as well joining in. Exactly. And this year, there was 3,000 of them. So Gracious me. We, we, we took that idea from Uganda, and, and I built kind of a bit of a new team for Impact Marathon Series um, that was taking it away from being that fun side project to how do we make a really professional, impactful, humble company that can put something together uh, around the world instead of just one country. So that was the big change from Uganda was then how do we scale it? How do we make it that same intimate feeling, but at the same time in a number of different countries? Sure. Now, I, I, I'm going to ask you a, a kind of finance question, and you can be as private about your own finances as you like, but I do need mm. to ask, you know, you're, you're, you're earning a salary, uh, you know, working in finance. You're then leaving that to go into a charitable enterprise. So... Um, you know, there, obviously, many people think, "Well, I would never do that because how am I going to live, make a living?" So, what were the, how, you know, what were the steps you took, and how did you manage to finance yourself to do this? What I, I took, um, I've been shoring up my finances for about two years beforehand. I always kind of knew that in the end I would be moving on from finance. I just didn't know when it would be. Um, so I had a bit of my own personal funding, um, and then we were able to, to to get a private donation early on as well. Um, I only just started taking a salary in January. Um, so it was about 18 months, basically, of being without a salary. Wow. Um, and really, like, once you start to cut down, you've got two options. You can either increase your income or you can decrease your spending. And yeah. that's really what I did. And so I decreased my spending. You go out to live in Nepal. Suddenly, you're, you're spending maybe 150 to $200 a month for an, you know, a room in a, in a house. And so you decrease your spending. I got rid of a lot of stuff. I sold everything um, and just live out of two bags. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I read about that. Actually, two bags. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, there's a couple of, there's a few books down at my mother's house, and I have a collection of baseball caps that I won't give up for anything. Uh, but uh, apart from that, everything's in these two bags. Um, and it's very simple. It's a very simple life, and I don't have the expenditure of a, of a mortgage at the moment or anything like that. Um, and then, yeah, you just make it happen. I, it's really hard to explain, but you just keep putting yourself out there. You keep putting out ideas. You keep asking the question and things keep arising. And, and then once the sales start to come in, that sustains you on expenses. And then it's about how do you make this actually sustainable in the long term? And that's where we're at to now. We're just starting to, to move into that sustainability element. Right. So it's it's not risk free, but uh, but it was a calculated risk in the sense that you, you know, you've you you did everything appropriate that, as far as you are aware to make the whole thing happen financially. 
Yeah, and then we do, because Uganda had gone so well, we had the proof of concept out there. Hmm. So then it was really a case of just replicating that, but replicating it in a more sustainable way. Right, right. Uh, and so, I mean, we could talk a little bit about some of the other places you've been other than Uganda, but presumably you're, if you, if you were running a marathon in the UK, there would be all sorts of health and safety um, and needs in terms of, um, you know, toilets, in terms of uh, St. John's ambulance being on hand and all the rest of it. Um, do you find in some of these other nations there's a different uh, set of rules or is it is it fairly free and open? How, how, how have things been? Yeah, I mean, there is no health and safety in Nepal. Um, okay. <laughs> In fact, that's that's something that's that's really important that we bring to the race. So we work with an organisation called Exile Medics, and these guys are phenomenal. They're doctors who donate their time to come out to do races like this. They love doing doctoring in extreme environments, um, and they take care of a lot of the issues that would come up in the race. And they're the best at what they do. They really are great. Brett Rockos, who runs that, um, is is so important to this. Um, so we bring our own health and safety to it, and um, we put that in place. We want the race to have really good standards, but not lose that rustic feel. Um, we don't want it to be the slickest or best race in the world. We want it to be the most humble and impactful. So the race in Nepal, you're looking at water stations where it's traditional for Nepalis in races and in everyday life. They, use, they all share one jug, and you don't let the jug touch your lips when you pour it into your mouth. So that's how a Nepali would normally uh, normally have their water in a race. Um, so that's what we did. And it makes it totally different for people. You know, you don't want to travel all the way to Nepal to have a kind of race that you could have here in, in the UK. You want it to have that rustic feel. You want it to have that element. So we work with what's available to us in the area. Um, but we, we underpin all of it with really like strong risk assessments and health and safety and all the things we need to do to, uh, to make sure our guys are safe. Um, and the other thing is, is that because our races are really about going out there and enjoying it and running with people, for people, it's not about, you're not going to get a personal best. The races are really hard. So people relax. They're running with friends. They're not trying to push it. They're not trying to get a personal best. They're just going out there to enjoy it. So we, we tend to find that eases off from people getting the serious injuries. You know, we have a couple of twisted ankles. Right, right. So a bit, people here in the UK are obviously familiar with the London Marathon. The London Marathon is both a, a serious race, but also a, a place where people also, you know, have fun as they go and they dress up in different costumes. So you, your, yours is more the, the latter in terms of seriousness. C- completely, yeah. We, there'll be some local runners who are pushing it hard at the front. Um, and if people are competitive, it's a really great experience because you're living in country for a week. So you go out on training runs, you'll be able to spot who else is good. You know, they're not so good on the hills. Um, so, uh, but we tend to, to really push home from the beginning. Like, this is about having the experience. Like, the course is stunning. Enjoy it. Take a selfie with the Himalayas in the background. Enjoy the experience of running with, with the Nepali uh, runners who are super good. But then some most Nepalis are running their first race as well. So... It's just a really fun day to affirm the charities we're supporting and to affirm the country. We're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Nick Kershaw. Uh, Nick was working in finance, combining an interest in running marathons with raising money for charitable causes, and now he's gone full-time in this ministry. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Nick Kershaw. Uh, Nick was uh, working in finance, combining an interest in running marathons, with raising money for charitable causes. He's eventually made the leap to running and raising money full time. Uh, so 
He's uh, joins us today from uh, from London, but it's one of the rare times he's in the UK because he's traveling around the world uh, setting up marathons. Uh, so, so Nick, um, you've linked your work to the 17 UN Global Goals. I'm not suggesting you, you mention all 17, but what are the kind of things that you're raising money for? Um, so in each race, we basically talk to the community and find out what are the three goals that are most prevalent in that community? What are the pertinent issues facing them? So if we look at Nepal race, for example, we looked at quality education, number four, and number five, gender equality, and number six, water and sanitation. Um, so water and sanitation is a great way to, one to look at because for two days whilst in Nepal, whilst up in the village in Kakani, we built with the villagers a five kilometer water pipeline that brings them water all year round. So during drought, they didn't have any water because they didn't have a reliable water source. And during winter, the pipes would freeze over because they weren't buried underground. So we took about what was a, a pretty uh, tough task of 200 people trying to dig a, a five kilometer water pipeline. Um, so it's a really fun way of bringing, bringing everyone together. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we would do in country. And then we basically, um, for each global goal, we work with two to three local charities who are on the front line of that global goal. And so we'll pick out two or three organizations that tackle the issue from different angles. And then we, we, we then will do the fundraising and then the volunteers will go and, and visit the project, see the work they've done and understand the impact they've made and the difference that money makes. And the idea being that then you can get longer term supporters for the charity. So that's the direct way of, of, of leaving a good legacy and the indirect way. Um, things that are really important to understand, such as um, Chiquita Bananas. Uh, Chiquita Bananas are, are uh, Chiquita has for a long time been funding uh, the FARC in Colombia. That's the way that's indirectly causing trouble around the world. Um, so it's looking and understanding that we have an opportunity to leave a positive impact. We're leaving an impact anyway. What's, where, which one is it going to be? And helping, be, helping to be people to understand how to leave a positive impact. Right, right. So, um, I mean, do you have places that you'd like to go? Or do you have a... Um, you know, countries in touch with you already saying, why don't you come and do this where we are? Or how, how does it work in terms of the, the kind of future? Yeah, so we, we've got three projects in the pipeline that we're working on um, quietly. Um, and there's always like the dream projects. There's always the ones that you'd love to do. Um, being, being half Greek, I really want to go and do some work in Greece. I think there's some huge issues facing Greece um, and we'd love to talk about that. So those types of things, there's, there's the dream projects and then there's the ones that have, have already got some legs, either because we've got a great charity partner or a great operator. Usually those are the two key bits that we look for in a race. Nice. So when we can find either of those, we start to explore it. Um, but most importantly is, is can, we, can we get this one out to market? Because we're only sustainable if people sign up. And so we're at the point now where we've got the races in, in uh, Guatemala, Nepal, uh, Colombia and Malawi. And it's really a case of once those races are sustainable, then we'll start to expand the series again. Right, right. So, uh, I mean, this has been a, a phenomenal leadership uh, exercise for you, Nick. Um, things that you've learned about leadership... Um, you know, obviously, this is a, a show helping Christians in leadership, in particularly in the church, charity, or commercial world. What would you say, you know, that you've learned uh, about leadership? I think it's the, the biggest thing I've learned in the last few months, in particular, is really just letting go of your 
your ego in that in terms of things are going to you're going to try things and they're going to fail and accepting that um, we had to postpone the Columbia race in January when the race was supposed to take place in February and we had to postpone it for three or four reasons and it was just accepting that and letting go of of the stuff that makes you angry about that or upset about that and just looking really clearly at, at what's the situation and how can we make this better um, and rolling with that. I think that's, that's just massively important is to, to have the dream and then know how to adapt it. And, and then once, once you're okay with that and you can, you can push forward, but, but there's going to be a lot of mistakes along the way. And it's, it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. And, and this is that you just got to fail really quickly, um, fail really quickly and move on from it and learn loads from that and re-implement next time. So we, we went too aggressive too early. We went to try and set up races too quickly um, and accepting that that was not the way to go and not driving it on regardless was a really important part of just understanding the humility of leadership. Right. So you've, as you look at it in a maybe 12-month stretch, um, logistically, does it, is it much the same say, to do something in Nepal as it is to do something in Malawi and in terms of the time that it's going to take, or does it vary from place to place? It's, it's, it's pretty similar. It's pretty similar. The small challenges that come up and the cultural nuances are different, but in terms of actually the implementation of what we need, it all takes about a year to really put together. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a labour-intensive task to get the first-year race in place really labor intensive and then once that's first year place in place and you have the race course you have your athletes village and you have great partners then it should get easier year year two onwards um, but year one is a good good year of, of hard work to get a race launched selling and logistically in place right and you say comes an athlete's village what does that look like <laughs> um it different in every country um but basically we love the idea of getting people a little bit outside of their hotel room comfort zone it's the way to really open up the mindsets and the conversations so in nepal we had a village um, which is a scout center really and it has 180 degree views of the himalayas in the morning we do yoga in the mornings and and all these types of things um and it's a place for people to come and relax it's really the hub of where the magic happens because once people go back to hotel rooms they have a little cocoon they have their own little world that they can be safe in whereas when you put people on the campsite they come together as a community so you have 120 people all as one community by the end of the week. So we always try and do it somewhere stunning, somewhere that makes you feel just in awe. And we always try and do it in nature and with camping, but comfortable camping. We have beds and we have, I don't like the word glamping because I think it's a terrible word, isn't it? glamorous camping. No, it's not very glamorous in Nepal, um, but it's comfortable. And we, so we put in mattresses and beds and we make it really comfortable. You've got showers. Um, and yeah, we're just trying to make our own little community in the sky. Right, right. Um, and presumably, that I mean, this is a physical challenge for you running the marathon, of course. So you have to stay stay fit and and healthy. Mm. And I think that's a super important part of leadership as well. Is and and keeping your mind sane. There's so many stresses and challenges. Um, particularly when you're you're living in Kathmandu and all of these different things that are, are coming at you. Um, and one thing I learned last, again, one of the key things I learned in terms of how to lead the company was that I need to, to love running every day. And there's a little bit in the middle there about this time last year when I fell out in love with running, I fell out of love with exercise and all I wanted to do was just work and make it happen. Um, but now 
yeah, it's really important to be pushing myself physically as well because that that keeps you in a healthy mental state. And then when it comes to root scouting, yeah, you want to be able to understand uh, what you're putting people through. So it's really important to be able to run the routes yourself. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think you said Nepal particularly was a, a fairly hilly, uh, fairly yeah. <laughs> hilly route. Yeah. 2,000 metres of climbing when you started at 2,000 metres of altitude. Um, it's definitely punchy. But uh, everyone completed it. Everyone had a great time. Um, there was a few uh, choice words said at the end uh, as they crossed the finishing line and gave me a big sweaty hug. Um, but ultimately, everyone just is an amazing experience. And we mm. want to put people into that position where they're really overcoming things and they're leaving nothing out on the course. And mm. I love it when I see people in tears at the finishing line in a sort of perverse way. Sure, sure. And your, I have to ask, your marathon time or your best marathon time? Uh, mine is three hours, 46 and 13 seconds. My word, that's, so that's any, anything under four hours is heroic in my book. So well <laughs> yeah. done. Very well done. Um, and and you, you've been talking about we. So presumably there's a other support, same support team that go with you, other other Brits or other other parts of your team, or, or does it vary from... Uh, from country to country as to who's actually there as part of your team? Yeah, we've got a core team um, of four of us. Um, and then on top of that, uh, we work with local partners. Um, so for me, when, when we talk about we, yeah, in country, in, in Guatemala, it's it's with Martsan Travel. In, in Nepal, it's with Trek Nepal. And they're our operators. And we work from their offices. And we work as a team on each of the races. Mm. So in terms of the IMS team, we've got a core team. Um, and we'll stay the same across the races. Um, but then we bring in, 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 in people come over to be our reps uh, with, with people and stuff. So we have what we call a global goal rep. They're in charge of the 15 to 20 people who've signed up to that global goal. They need to know everything about it, give it the energy, give it, you know, if, if, one, if someone's feeling ill, they need to know about it and to be supporting it. If someone's feeling amazing and wants to make some big changes in their life, we're there to support them as well. So um, we have a team of volunteers who come out to each race to, to handle that side of things. Right. And is there a, a is there a kind of a, a UK base as such for, for it or is it does it is the base kind of where you happen to be? Yeah, very much wherever we lay our hat. I mean, um, there's two of the team live down in Tunbridge Wells, so I guess that's the closest we have to a base. Uh, we're here in London today at my old firm. They, they let me use a room anytime I need, which is really, really, I'm very grateful for. Um, so we've got a whole team meeting today where everybody comes into one place. But no, most of the time we, we work off, uh, off WhatsApp and Skype, um, and that, that does us pretty well. Well, wonderful. Fantastic. Any anything I haven't asked that you think, hey, I'd I'd love to share that bit of what I'm doing. And that I think you, we've we've really kind of covered it. I think the whole experience of getting to to build a business whilst traveling and the challenges that come with that. It's hard to build a business. It's it's really hard. Um, and to be doing it when you're not sure quite where you're going to be next week or you have a phone call which you have to take on the side of a motorway in Guatemala. These are the kind of fun challenges that mm. add to the to the journey that we're on. Um, and and that being able to lead the team from being not always physically present throws up its own challenges as well. So yeah. those kind of things are really fun to, to get our heads around. Okay, well, there may be uh, runners listening who are thinking, hey, <clears throat> I'd like a piece of that. So uh, remind me of the website. The website is run.impactmarathon.com. So run.impactmarathon.com, okay. And uh, they, as people go there, they'll, they'll discover the different parts of the, the world where you're uh, planning uh, to, to have marathons. And sometimes, I guess, the dates will vary, but um, 
Uh, sorry, whether the dates are there or not will vary, but when's, when's the next one you have in mind? Next one will be, um, we've got a race in Tanzania in October, Nepal in November, and today we're launching uh, the Guatemala race for next March 2018. Wonderful. Okay, so if you're a runner listening and you you fancy uh, running outside your comfort zone, shall we say, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> then why not join Nick and uh, and some of the excellent charitable causes that they're seeking to raise money for in those particular countries. So, Nick, it's been a, del- a delight to, to chat with you. Thank, Thank you for... Uh, the inspiration of your journey and your, of your story and uh, may God bless your, your future efforts thanks very much Andy it's been great so you're listening to Leadership File with me Andy Pett that was uh, uh, Nick Kershaw uh, so do um, do uh, go to his website and find out more uh, about uh, marathon running if that's your thing uh, and maybe you're a leader you, you you know and you think hey it's it's time that I uh, got involved particularly with a with a cause that's close to my heart well nick hopefully has been an inspiration to you so do tune in again next sunday at 3 30 uh, god bless you've been listening to the leadership file on premier andy peck serves as a tutor at cwr a christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply god's word to everyday life contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk